the geological record and the fossil record, um, and it fits perfectly with what the Bible has said all along, that there was indeed a global flood. It happened. Uh, we see the evidence for that, um, and it's, it's very well documented. When, uh, Justin, when you said earlier that, you know, is, is this evidence being deliberately covered up, or is it just ignorance, they don't understand it? The answer is yes to both. What this is telling me, you don't have to have the art for that. There's enough evidence without the art for the global flood of Noah, for the, for the great deluge to know that something happened in our past. It was recorded in the book of Genesis. And maybe if you read that thing, maybe you need to, to keep reading and, and, and get to the end part where we're in now and realize that things that are happening back then were doomed to repeat. And we know history is doomed to repeat itself. That things that are happening now has been predicted and prophesied for the future. We know what's coming. And we know there's a way out. We don't have to... You know, we don't have to go through a judgment uh, like those guys did. There was plenty of room for people to get on that ark, and they did not because they chose not to. to. What is happening? What is up? Hold out your glass because we're going to try and fill it up. Welcome to the Prometheus Lens Podcast, the place where we use the allegory of the Prometheus Lens to reevaluate and reexamine everything with a new perspective. I'm your host, Justin Brown. You might know me from my other podcast, The Dig Bible Podcast. I am an independent researcher and podcaster seeking for truth with a biblical lens. Welcome to the show. So, how many of you guys are just really interested in Noah's Ark and the Flood, and also the search for Noah's Ark? Well, i got a really good episode for you today. I've sat down with uh, Dr. Aaron Judkins. Dr. Aaron Judkins has been to the Dupinar side. He has also hiked the mountain of Ararat in search of Noah's Ark. He is just a smorgasbord of information and knowledge, so I got to sit down and pick his brain on this subject matter. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey. This is Dr. Aaron Judkins, the Maverick Archaeologist, and you're listening to the Prometheus Lens with Justin Brown. You know, I always said that I would never bow to any corporate sponsor. But hey, rest assured, this ain't corporate. Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company, been a sponsor of my show, The Dig Bible Podcast. They've come on board with the Prometheus Lens. I'm here to tell you guys, if you like good, bold, smooth finished coffee, check these guys out. I'm a personal customer, been, been that way for a, quite some time now. Uh, the breakfast blend, real good for the morning. But then you got, for your hardcore guys that like their coffee with a little bit of legs, they have the Flightline Joe. I'm telling you, ladies, don't drink this because it's going to put hair on your chest. <laughs> but no, guys, if you want to help sponsor the show, help keep the lights on, go on over to uh, KevlarJoes.com, check out their stuff and see uh, what blend you like. He's got several to choose from. In the distance looms a mystical mountain. At its peak, a great fire burns, concealing the Prometheus lens, an ancient artifact said to reveal the hidden truth within a deliberately darkened world. 
Join us as we travel and explore the vast unknown. It's a hero's journey with dragons to slay, damsels to save, and innumerable treasures to hoard. Torches high. The Smithsonian, they'd call wind of a giant skeleton. They would send their agents out to get it. But it takes courage to move forward, to move out of the shadows, out of the uh, unreality that we think of as reality. Truth gets marginalized. And sometimes you have to look on the margins for the truth. We are all on the hero's journey. You know, look at it from a different perspective. A different perspective. A different perspective. A different perspective. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Prometheus Lens. And we are on the trail of Noah. We've talked to Andrew Jones about uh, the dupe in our site. And I wanted to reach out to a, another friend of mine. We've had him on my other show, the, the Dig Bible Podcast. This man has also been on the trail of Noah's Ark. And uh, they call him the Maverick Archaeologist. So I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Aaron Judkins. Hey, Justin, thanks for having me back on. Hey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. So before we get too deep, man, what have you been into? Any kind of new projects or what you got going on? Well, I, I'm always got something, some iron in the fire. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm working on actually a big, uh, trip over a tour trip over to Turkey for 20, let's see, 2025. So we're going to be taking a big group of people over going to tour biblical Asia minor, Cappadocia, of course, Gobekli Tepe is on that list, Harahan Tepe. Uh, we're going to go out on the Black Sea. Uh, it's really going to be a great time. Visit old, perhaps uh, the site of biblical Ephesus, where the uh, one of the first early churches was. But um, you know, since I wrote that book on Gobekli Tepe, the Guardians of Gobekli, that's one of the sites we're going to. Uh, we're going to visit ancient uh, Shanlurfa and uh, the Shanlurfa Museum. So this was all slated uh, to happen. Uh, earlier, but um, we've we've had to postpone it, so we've pushed it back a whole, um, actually a whole another year and a half. So it's going to be 2025 when we're looking at going. So we got plenty of time for people that have an interest in joining us on on that trip over to Turkey. It's going to really be a, an awesome trip. So that's what I have coming up. That's extended to 2025. So. We just finished up the uh, Paluxy River excavations here that we have locally in Glenrose, Texas. Uh, we have those uh, throughout the year now, but we open those up annually for people to come in the summer uh, for a week. And so we've we've had a fantastic week of uh, digging at the end of June and made some really interesting discoveries uh, that I think is very uh, promising. Uh, we've listed uh, them as candidates. Uh, and so there's some interesting finds that we made along the edges of the limestone layers there along the Pluxy River. And um, actually that film is up on um, on my website if you want to go check that out. It's uh, it's uh, linked up to my Rumble channel there at uh, AaronJudkins.com. But uh, yeah, so certainly uh, 
I've got some new content up there on the Rumble channel, plus some other uh, older things that that uh, I've rediscovered and put up. But yeah, so we just finished up that, and um, we're uh, we're we're trying to uh, wrap up some affairs that uh, from our dear friend and colleague uh, Dr. Joe Taylor, who passed away about four months ago. And so, uh, unfortunately, the museum doors there in Crosbyton, Texas, at Mount Blanco is is now going to close. And uh, so we're we're trying to settle all that, and uh, hopefully we can get a lot of those larger pieces uh, out to people who uh, would um, would use them in a ministry or in a creation museum somehow. Uh, so we've got our work cut out for us on that end. Um, and uh, you know, maybe back over to Israel sometime soon. They've they've um, re uh, started the excavations at the Pole of Siloam. Of course, this is an area that we initially excavated back in two thousand and four. Uh, I was part of that initial excavation team, uh, but the property that was adjacent to it was owned by a Greek Orthodox Church, and we weren't able to continue. Now that property has been a, a, a acquired. Um, and uh, excavations have restarted to uh, actually extend into the pool and to hopefully excavate the whole thing. So uh, that that uh, has started, and I'm hoping to be back in on uh, on the excavations there in Jerusalem at the Pool of Salom. Oh, man, that's awesome! Living the dream with your uh, Turkey tour. Now, is that how does people find out about that or get information on that? Is that also on the Dr. Aaron Judkins, uh, your website? Uh, yeah, it'll be up on AaronJudkins.com. It's not there yet. Uh, we've we're still working on the um, uh, the solidifying the dates and the itinerary. But as soon as we do that, and it'll be uh, soon, I think um, within the next forthcoming weeks or or possibly by the fall, uh, I'll have all that information up uh, on my website so people can go and look and see what dates we have down the itinerary. Uh, and if you're interested, you know, we'll have the information for you to go to that you can, you know, be able to, you know, sign up if you want. And uh, but it will be for uh, 2025 now. So we have plenty of opportunity. And actually, we're actually going. Uh, it'll be Dr. Judd Burton and myself um, and then um, uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert, who you Oh, yeah. I know, um, and your audience knows. Uh, so Derek and Sharon Gilbert asked us to come along with them. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, the, the trip got put back. But uh, So it'll be either on my website or it will be available through uh, Derek and Sharon's uh, ministry website. Uh, if you know how to reach them, I'm sure they'll have all that information up there, too. It may be up there now. I don't know. Man, that's also awesome. That's an all-star lineup. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. We're we're kind of bummed that it didn't happen. Uh, it's supposed to happen this fall, and uh, so that you know that big earthquake that happened really set some things back. We wanted to give them time to kind of resettle, um, and and make sure that it was going to be you know safe for us to go. But uh, you know, it, the infrastructure needs to be operational, and and so there have been a few changes to the itinerary that we've had to change up since then. Nothing major. All the major points of interest are still going to be um, on the list, including Gobekli Tepe. Uh, was it so, safe? Was was there any damage to Gobekli? Because that was one thing I was going to ask you because I knew about yeah, that big what, earthquake. 
yeah, from my understanding, Gobekli Tepe was um, uh, was okay. I think there was some, from what I heard, there was some fine cracks that appeared in some of the stones, but nothing major, nothing fell over. Uh, so it's all intact as far, as far as I know. I haven't heard otherwise, which is good news. It was, I think, far enough away that it just suffered a little bit of probably some very minor damage, thankfully. Uh, but um, now because of that, we're actually going to add Karahan Tepe onto that tour, which is, um, if you will, the sister site to Gobekli Tepe. And it may be just as important as Gobekli Tepe, perhaps even more so. Um, all of which I you know, talk about in the in the book, uh, but uh, Guardians of Gobekli. But it, it's a very interesting site, and that's, you know, that's what I've been focused on here in the last recent years, really, is trying to get get that book out and get the information out to the people because it's so fascinating. And so Derek and Sharon has asked us, uh, Dr. Burton and I, to to come along and and uh, and do this uh, do this. So we're we're really excited, looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too, man. I, I have to save up for that one. I'm hoping I'm in the middle of saving up right now to try to make that trip to Israel with uh, Derek and Sharon and Timothy Alberino. Right. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. They were, um, yeah, they were going to do that and we were going to try to do Turkey right after, but it's just too much. And so, um, that trip is, yeah, it's going to be a great trip. They're doing that. Uh, I think April of 2024, isn't it? Uh, it's uh, March. Yeah. Or, March. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, March of 2024. That I would love to do that, but uh, I'm not going to be able to join you guys. But and it's going to be yeah, that'd be great. Well, uh, which Gobekli Tepe, uh, that book you wrote, man, uh, the Guardians of Gobekli, it was really, really good. And uh, we talked a little bit about it on uh, my other podcast, the Dig Bible Podcast. But honestly, we just scratched the surface because that was the first time I'd ever sit down and talk with you, and you're just. Uh, a smorgasbord of, of knowledge and I just wanted to try to be a glutton and pick something from each plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There's no lack of uh, content that we can discuss. There's plenty out there uh, yet to um, be revealed and discussed, but the things that we do know of it's it's, I think it's, it's worthy of, you know, ongoing discussions about this to get the word out and let people see what's out there. What, what is the empirical evidence coming out of the stones and, and through, you know, through archaeology? And that's, that's what I do. I like to be able to present this evidence, such as the findings that go back like Tepe, but, you know, look at it from a different perspective. And so instead of this, you know, evolutionary perspective that we've all been spoon fed all of our lives, you know, through, through uh, the, this Darwinian system of, of history that we've all been taught that we've, we've come up, you know, from pond scum to Einstein is simply not true. This is not true in biology. It's not true in archeology. span Uh, so we, of course the fossil record and you know, it, it bears witness to catastrophes and there's a record of stasis there. There's no transitional forms. And we see this in archeology. span There's a sudden emergence and onsets of civilization of, and, and culture, um, uh, just right after the flood. And, and so even though they would disagree on the time frame, um, it fits perfect, perfectly with the biblical time frame, uh, which has never changed. That, that, um, uh, that narrative of history has never changed. And so it's been confirmed 
uh, by archaeology outside of the land of the Bible through independent uh, confirmations of archaeology and geology. But frankly, it, uh, most of these finds, such as Gobekli Tepe, are discovered by by just normal everyday people. I mean, you know, it's landowners, farmers, uh, people out. Uh, they're usually the ones that make these major discoveries. It's true with the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, the two Bedouin boy shepherds. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's outside of the land of the Bible in most cases that confirm outside of uh, of the biblical record that um, that we find that major confirmations in the Old Testament, uh, frankly, even in the New Testament, but they are uh, confirmed uh, in the archaeological record. Not everything has been, but um, I think people would be surprised at how much has been confirmed. And so my perspective with Gobekli Tepe is where does this fit into the Old Testament? How does it fit in? Where does it fit in? Why are you know why are they there? What's the purpose of of the site? And so that's that's kind of the approach I take to it. And and um, and because of that, it really took me you know several years of research to figure out what's going on here. But uh, there's something that's happening there very specifically. And I think when people you know take a take a you know another look at this, they'll understand this is something totally different going on at Gobekli Tepe than what we've ever been told. Well, that's a good segue, uh, going into the great flood and Noah's Ark. And, uh, I know I, I promised you a shirt a while back. We actually just printed a bunch of them. So I got you one of these set to the side. Okay. Noah was a conspiracy theorist and then it started to rain. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> so uh, then it started to rain. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's it. That's it. And that's the thing, uh, why I wanted to start this, this show, you know, you know, Prometheus lens, you know, Prometheus, you know, in that Greek myth, he brought, you know, the fire, you know, which was symbolic for, for the knowledge. And, and the more we dig and, and look into things for myself, I notice that things are not like we've been told or taught, you know, whether it's, they're deliberately lying to us or if it's, you know, they just don't know and they're just repeating what they've been taught, but either way, the more we we look into these things we find that you know the sometimes or more times than not truth is usually stranger than fiction and and like you said we find more and more often that the biblical narrative it, it holds true um, but with the uh, the flood leading into to Noah's ark do you think that the great flood was like multiple floods throughout the history or was it a, a, a global flood? Okay. So there, there's a lot here that we can, uh, chew on here. And, um, just, just to answer your question, uh, what, what was there a great flood? Yes, there was a great deluge that happened. It was worldwide. We have plenty of evidence for that in the, um, uh, in, in the geological record. Um, that's a, it's a, been very well established um, that there was a worldwide flood. I'm not going to be able to lay the foundation for that here. So when I make that statement, it's not just a statement of of a of a you know I just believe this happened just because I believe it. It is based on the the empirical evidence that we see. When Dr. Aaron Judkins makes this blanket statement, 
You know, he's assuming since you're a listener of this podcast and my work, you've already done some research on your own and you already have a good firm foundation. But I just want to kind of cover this just for those that maybe it's just starting out on their journey. You know, the great flood happened. If it didn't, why are we finding seashells on the top of Mount Everest? Why are we finding whale bones in the middle of the desert? Why are we finding clam shells uh, fossilized, closed position in the hills of Tennessee? If the biblical narrative of the flood is not true, why are we finding what scientific evidence is showing to be the oldest vineyards in the world at the base of Mount Ararat where the boat is said to have landed? Why is one of the oldest settlements known to the scientific community at the base of Mount Ararat the locals call the land of the eight there was eight people on the boat and then when you look at other cultures and civilizations they all have a flood account there's many many evidences that point to this direction but I just wanted to cover these bases for those that are maybe just starting out on their journey not familiar with this content before I move forward okay back to the episode And so for people who don't have an, uh, a, a foundational understanding of that, I just want to, you know, tell you that there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot there that, that's, it's already been documented. So it's not just a statement that I'm making. It is an established fact. Um, the evidence is there, but it's a perspective uh, on that evidence of how you look at it and how the evidence is interpreted uh, that, that can give you either two possibilities Either it's a record of, you know, millions of years old over, you know, uh, and billions of years of, of geological time through slow evolutionary processes, or it's a record of catastrophe that happened very fast um, that uh, explains uh, the geological record and the fossil record. Um, and it fits perfectly with what the Bible has said all along, that there was indeed a global flood. It happened uh, we see the evidence for that, um, and it's it's very well documented. I've I've documented this uh, in over uh, uh, some of these references are documented in the new book Guardians of Gobekli, because I give the foundation for the limestone that is found at Gobekli Tepe, and so for an understanding for you know where that limestone came from, I had to kind of lay a foundation. Uh, in appendixes in the back of the book and through footnotes. But if you read that, uh, the the spaces in between the lines, if you will, with the footnotes especially, uh, you'll you'll get a, a complete education on uh, why there was a global flood. There was a global deluge. Uh, and this is in um, peer-reviewed scientific uh, articles and publications, not just from creationists to happen to have this point of view, but there's hard science to back it up by secular science, by scientists who um, have come out and said, okay, this is, there's something going on here uh, that we don't understand. And so when you, when uh, Justin, when you said earlier that, you know, is, is this evidence being deliberately covered up or is it just ignorance? They don't understand it. The answer is yes to both. Uh, sometimes it's deliberately covered up and suppressed. Other times it's just this is what they've been taught because this is the way they've 
they've, you know, been taught by their professors in an academia. And there's just no questioning uh, the, 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 the main paradigm. So you can't, no longer is education about raising your hand and, and saying, well, what about this? How, how is it that, you know, we, you know, we, we, we formed over, you know, all these eons of time, but yet there's no, you know, missing link in, um, in anything. The missing link is still missing because it's not there. Yeah. That the fossil record is a record of stasis. It's a record of death. There's no transitional life forms occurring. And been and caught so even faking these things. You know what I mean? How many times of the pelt down man and, and all these times where they were taking yeah, bones from different things, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and that's a great point because that, uh, there is, uh, some, uh, deception, uh, that that's been exposed. Now we, we do have that, uh, that is well known. We, we do have deliberate evidence of, of them suppressing, uh, soft tissue in dinosaurs. And I know we're, we're talking about uh, Noah's Ark, but this is all pertinent to it because it's evidence that shows and supports that, that, that there was a global deluge. And if there was, you know, a record of this, uh, and we see the evidence throughout history, then perhaps Noah's Ark is, is, you know, is still there. And, and, uh, at least throughout history and through ancient history, it's been, this structure has been seen. So one of the great examples uh, going back to the evidence real quick is the soft tissue in, uh, dinosaur bones that's being discovered. Uh, we're, we're breaking ground right now. In the research lab at the uh, Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas, with dinosaur soft tissue research in the lab right now, we're finding, uh, and, and this is through multiple um, sources of dinosaur bones across different parts of the country, uh, through different, um, um, uh, different um, you know, sites, but um, and they're different formations in the dirt. But yet we're finding, and supposedly dinosaur bone that's millions and millions of years old. Um, we're finding soft tissue in these dinosaur bones. We're finding collagen and blood cells, and it's elastic. These this tissue is elastic. It's it's pliable. Um, the collagen it shouldn't be there if it's millions of years old. And so this is this is um, this is an area of research that we're it's occurring right now. But according to the standard evolutionary science, that shouldn't be there. And that really rocked the paleontology world back when that first came out. They tried to suppress um, it. I remember. Yeah, with Dr. Mary Schweitzer yeah. and, and bless her heart. You know, she, she's a scientist and she, she's also a Christian. But she said, look, this is what I found. There's been, you know, there's documentary evidence of her on record saying this is what I found. It shouldn't be there. We, I did what we're supposed to do. I re you know, in science, you, you go through this scientific method, right? And so that's what she did. And uh, she said, you know, I tried to falsify it. I repeated the data. It was observable. It was testable. It was repeatable. I could not falsify this data. It was, it was you know, over, you know, hundreds of times she kept getting the same result. There's soft tissue. Um, but they put enough pressure on her, unfortunately, that she eventually recanted uh, her position on it. Uh, just to hold her probably position uh, to, to hold her position and career. So, um, but you know, where she stopped, others have picked up and we're continuing. Uh, so that's, that's what we're doing here. And we're finding through independent um, uh, science 
and, and researchers were finding similar results that Dr. Mary Swatcher found. Uh, we're doing uh, the very exact same thing. And uh, Mark Armitage has is, is really kind of led the charge on all this. And uh, he's helped us with setting up special microscopes that we now have in the lab. We have four of them that we're able to thinly slice these dinosaur bones that we've excavated in Colorado and uh, Montana and, and elsewhere that we've been able to uh, look at these bones through thin sections, very thin sections. And now these um, a new uh, research is actually published. Uh, Mark Armitage has published on this through sci uh, scientific publications um, and, and it's published now. So, all this is available to anyone who just simply wants to look at it. The evidence is there. And those that are not familiar with Mark Armitage, look this guy up. He was digging and he found a uh, Triceratops horn. And he uh, cut into it and examined it and found soft tissue. You know, this was very paradigm shifting event here. And when he... Uh, like uh, Dr. Aaron Jokin said, he went through the scientific method, repeated the processes, and kept coming up with the same result. So then when he submitted his evidence to the scientific community, he was put under pressure, just like uh, Mary Schwarzer. But he didn't bend. He stood his ground. And uh, he was from the University of California. And they ultimately fired him from his position over this. Well, he armed up, got him a lawyer, and went to go sue the university. And they ended up settling with him out of court because they knew that they couldn't win, and they wrongfully fired him. So this should show you the narrative that, you know, the, the people in power, the powers that be, they have their narrative, and they've made their mind up. This is how things are. And even if you put the evidence in their face to prove them wrong, they will suppress you and, and fire you ultimately if you don't give in. So it's very important that we educate ourselves and research these things for ourselves. And that's what this show is all about. Are you a member of the Prometheus Lens Podcast members only group? And if not, what are you waiting for? Come join the band of brothers on the hero's journey. With this members-only package, you get early access to episodes. You get special episodes that nobody else gets, special video content, documentaries. And you help support the show and keep the lights on. You know, doing podcasts, they can be very expensive. A lot of people don't realize all the subscriptions, the website fees, the, the video and audio subscriptions and things like that. So if you enjoy the content, help keep the lights on, help me keep doing what I love to do and keep bringing you fire each and every week. Um, so it, it's all there. The publications are there. The science is there. The footnotes are there. Everything is, is well documented. So was there a global flood? Yes, there was. Um, again, it's, it's, it's much more than what we can get into here, but getting back to your second question, Justin, was there other floods? And, and the, the, the answer to that is also yes, uh, because there, you know, we had, uh, we had a big ice age after the flood. And, and I get into this and, and also um, in, in the book because I have to explain how these people in Gobekli Tepe were coming out of the Ice Age. And so the mechanism for the Ice Age is a global flood. But when you have that, all that ice start to melt, and this is what's happening today, is because all that ice is locked into these glaciers 
and in the polar regions is fresh water. It is not salt water. It is fresh water. And they're hundreds of feet thick. Well, where do these freshwater glaciers come from? Why is the earth, you know, everything is pointing to a global deluge. So now we have in, um, in, in, in back in the ancient past, we have what um, science calls the meltwater pulse when A event and the meltwater pulse when B event. And so the ice starts to melt. Why? Because global temperatures come back up. Uh, the ice starts to melt. Uh, migration is happening. People come out of an ice age uh, anywhere between, you know, 500 to probably 700 years, maybe a thousand years of maximum, uh, which is what they say the younger driest event was about a thousand years. Um, I think it's pretty close, you know, between maybe 700 to a thousand years. But, you know, this, you have another meltwater pulse, the temperatures come up, the ice starts to melt back. And then you have, you know, right at the end of the younger driest, suddenly have civilization pop out of nowhere. And I'm just talking, just not just people gathering together. I'm talking about civilizations without any onset of evolution happening. They're advanced in knowledge. They're advanced in their city um, structure with homes and architecture and monumental megalithic architecture um, with writing and with language. You just don't get that all of a sudden. It's an advanced um series of, of things that is happening, but it all occurs very suddenly. And so, yes, there was a series of floods later on, but those were regional, depending on where you were at located on the globe. There were some other floods that we know that there's, there's, there's no question about that. So when geologists and, and secular, you know, science looks at this, they say, well, there's multiple floods. Yes, there was, because there's a lot of water locked in the ice. And as those areas starts to melt back, you know, we see this these regional area areas start to reflood again, and it's just there's there's no question that the sea levels drop between 200 and 400 feet during the ice age, but then during the meltwater pulse one A and B B event, they came back up between 200 and 400 feet. So everything that the people had built along the coastal lines and the low lying areas got reflooded, and so this is where the areas of Atlantis probably comes into. We see off the coast of Malta and Japan and other places, uh, off the coast of Alexandria, Egypt, there is things under the water where people used to live. We see roadways and, 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 and design and, and architecture and buildings and steps and all these things that are all underwater now, uh, where back at that time period, they were on dry land. Why? It's because, uh, because of the nature of the flood, which precipitated it was the very event that precipitated the Ice Age about 500 years later. Michael Orr does a very good uh, study on this. I got all that well documented. But going back to Noah's Ark, yes, the answer is, is true to both. There was a global deluge, but there was a series of, of uh, global, I mean, uh, a series of regional floods afterwards. That's just the nature of all that ice being locked in over the years. Now we're seeing all this ice melting today, and they say climate change. Climate change is real because the earth warms, the earth cools. Now, back in the 1970s, they were worried about global cooling when I was growing up. Uh, now it's global warming. The, the earth, this is a part of a natural cycle that the yes. earth goes through. It's not, so it, I disagree with the part of the, politiz, you know, the, the uh, politicization uh, of climate change that, you know, 
we somehow need to be taxed to, you know, so we, so we can become greener. I'm all about being green and recycling. I'm, I'm all about doing what we can to, to not pollute the earth. And, um, it, it, that, that, it, that's fine. Let's do that. Let's, let's not create greenhouse gas, greenhouse gases if we don't need to, but look, you know, is it going to make a difference if I have, you know, a truck parked out in my driveway, uh, or maybe, you know, uh, you know, how many, you know, what's your, what's your carbon footprint? Is that going to make a difference when you got countries like North Korea and China, China and other places who are totally polluting the air despite what we're doing? It doesn't matter because globally there's, 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 you know, there's other nations that have not, um, had any, any concept of, of, you know, conservation. Of, yeah. So, so, so anyway, the point is, is that, and I digress a little bit on that, but the point is, is that the earth goes through natural cycles and we have to have, um, just carbon is a natural process of the earth. And, and so is carbon dioxide. We have to have that. Um, uh, because, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship between plants and trees and, and, and carbon dioxide and oxygen. It's just a natural part of the cycle. So this, this has all happened in the past, but uh, getting back again to why is this important? Because uh, the, the flood happened. There's, there's plenty of evidence for that. And um, uh, where Noah's art comes in is how does this relate to Noah's art? Well, um, I think possibly that there's a, still a chance that Noah's Ark could exist. And for the guys that's and guys and gals that's listening, that's not familiar. I, I mentioned Walt Brown. Uh, if you can find this book, I really, really suggest that uh, you check it out. It it's really, really good. And, uh, and I'm going to brag a little bit right here. If I can find it, I found a signed copy on, uh, eBay. <laughs> and I was recording a video of this and I was also holding the book up and showing it off. So for the podcast format, I just wanted to be clear that this was Walt Brown's in the beginning is the, the book that I'm referencing here. But, uh, he talks about the oceanic ridge and how he believed the world was, was one, you know, super continent and some kind of cataclysm happened, whether it was earthquake, comet, whatever, but basically it caused like a fracture and that the plates pushed apart and then that's what made the the waters from the abyss burst forth that it talks about in genesis and he said it just you know threw all this uh mud and dirt into the air and uh that's how you uh have all the dinosaurs buried just suddenly some of them still fighting and, and giving birth you know still finding you know uh fish in the middle of eating other fish you know i mean that's why you see this sudden death of everything and he said uh also explains the the pelts in the the near side of the moon that everything that threw forth and, and just pelted the moon and all the volcanoes erupted as a result and just all this soot and ash and dirt blanketed the sky and lowered the temperatures and then he said uh, all the uh, major mountain ranges, that's why they all, without exception, line up parallel with this oceanic ridge, this fault line that runs at the bottom of the ocean. And he said and that's what brought on the Ice Age. So, I mean, he, I mean, 
I ain't saying he's 100% right, but he makes a lot of really good points and connections that I just find fascinating. Yeah, he does. And I actually referenced this book um, in Guardians of Gobekli uh, because of that. And so Michael Ord, uh, uh, Walt Brown's book in the beginning are very good resources. I list um, both of these, but especially especially uh, uh, Walt Brown's work, uh, I think is is uh, uh, very well documented. It's a uh, it's a sound research. I I you know I think it's a it's one you should have in your research library for sure. I've read I, I probably went through fifty books that I read uh, just to research um, on this particular subject of Gobekli Tepe. Again, they're 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 footnoted and appended appendixes in the back of the book on uh, uh, carbon, carbon-14, uh, the Ice Age, and the chronology timeline. And so those are the four appendixes. But uh, I cite Walt Brown's book when I, when I said earlier that if you read the footnotes in the book, you will get an education in all this uh, because they're heavily referenced, and Walt Brown's book is one of those. Well, now that we've laid a good foundation, get us into uh, Genesis and the, the biblical narrative and the, the search for the ark. Well, we see that, um, you know, it's at some point, um, you know, the ark, um, you know, came to rest in the mountains of Ararat. Now there's, there's a big a debate among researchers about where the mountains of Ararat is. Uh, I understand that, you know, Mount Ararat is a, you know, is one mountain. There's lesser Ararat that's next door to it at 14,000 feet. Uh, greater Ararat is 17, almost 17,000 feet. Um, but it's in the region that's uh, known or was known then as Armenia, um, Eastern Antilia. There's a tradition in the early centuries uh, that the Ark landed uh, what they called on Mount Judy. Um, or in, in some cases it's pronounced Mount Kuti, depending on what language you're speaking, they can't pronounce the J, so they pronounce it with a C sometimes. But, um, this is according to where Josephus said the remains of the Ark were still shown in the first century AD. And so this is a location that's described by Josephus as the place of descent. Um, and so, you know, some people, uh, say that that you know, historically is on Mount Ararat. Now, you know, I, I gave a presentation a number of years ago at the uh, Archathon event. I think it was back in 26, 2016. Um, and that's up on my Rumble channel, actually. But uh, I talk about the mountains of Ararat. Now, Ararat wasn't pronounced Ararat. It was it was a word um, later used, but the, the, the translation of the mountains of Ararat was they were abbreviated RRT uh, or Urartu. This is the ancient kingdom of Urartu. And so from the Assyrian text, Urartu is known to have existed in the late 13th century BC to about the 9th century BC. Uh, so we have the traditional Mount Ararat or in, in, in modern day terms, and it, they call it Agarida, which is the painful mountain. Uh, so we see that, um, you know, in Genesis, uh, that, um, you know, the Assyrian king is writing about Urartu, the inhabitants of Urartu call themselves um, uh, Ben Alili, and this is in literature, which is 
basically the kingdom of Vaughn um, or ancient Urartu. So this is the area of where Mount Ararat uh, is is resting today. So I, I give a presentation why I think Mount Ararat, Greater Ararat, is that mountain. Now there's candidates, there's other candidates for Mount Ararat. Some scholars would disagree about the location, about where that is with me on, on Greater Ararat. I, I've looked at the alternative locations. And personally, I'm convinced that greater air rat is still the best candidate. Uh, so we, you know, we're, our concentration, at least from, from our point of view, uh, on the scientific expedition we did back in 2013 in the search for the Ark was located on the Eastern plateau of greater era. Which I was looking, uh, it was, uh, I believe it was creation.com. They did a, an article and kind of some research on this, and they actually had like a table laid out and it had the claims, the sources, and then it had four locations. And it, one was Ararat, one was Dupinar, one was Cootie, and another was uh, Karaka Dag. Is that, am I saying that right? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, that's the one I think in uh, uh, northern Iran, perhaps. And they list all these different claims. I mean, they and they they've looked at uh, uh, let's see, Philostorgus, Al Masudi, the Targums, Jubilees, Joseph. I mean, just all these different source materials. They even looked at the the Epic of Gilgamesh and how he went to the mountains of uh, Ararat to fight Himbaba, and when they chopped down the the trees how it said that they were right near uh the euphrates and sent the logs down to uh build the cities and stuff and the temples but they had like a point system and for each one that went along with all these different sources they gave they awarded a point but uh and they gave let's see out of a total of 35 reference points they gave Ararat 4.5, Dupinar 5, Cootie 16.5, and uh, Karaga Dog 30. But, uh, not, and I reached out to them to see if they wanted to talk about it. And they, they and as soon as they found out that I was looking at all the sites, they, they, they said they didn't want to participate. So, <laughs> but in that email, they basically told me they did not want to participate and anything that gave any air to Ron Wyatt and his findings at the Dupinar site, that they didn't believe in that and that they didn't want to participate in anything that was voicing that opinion or looking at that perspective, which I find is very absurd. If you think that uh, the Dupinar site and Ron Wyatt's work there is just so absurd and so inaccurate, then why don't you come to the table with your evidence and your findings I mean, that's just me. If I had an idea that I knew was right and someone else had something that was just totally wrong, I wouldn't want everybody to believe that the false information that the other person was giving was true. And if I was that confident, I would step forward and present my evidence and let the people make their decision. And that's all I was trying to do. I just wanted all cards to lay on the table you, the listener, see the evidence, hear what the people had to say, 
and make that choice for yourself. But they, they decided to remove themselves from that conversation, which is very sad in my opinion. Well, see, and if you go back and, and I would encourage folks who are listening to go back and watch that presentation I did. It's a 2016 Archathon uh, where I give a, a presentation on this. But here's here's the thing. If you're going off the name alone, uh, and I know these are geographical different locations, but they're based on the name. And see, the name, the, all these names are the same. Uh, Mount Cootie, Mount Judy, Mount Ararat. Uh, the mountains of RRT, uh, uh, maybe with the exception of the one in northern Iran. Um, but um, Mount Cootie is Mount Judy, is Mount Ararat. They're the same. They're the same. They're talking about the same mountain. They're just, they're, they've, they've, they've changed with the names over time and with, with cultures. Uh, as I said earlier, Mount, some, some pronounce it Mount Cootie, some pronounce it Mount Judy. In the in the you know eastern Turkey, it's Mount Ararat. Um, these are all the same mountain, and so so the the argument is that it, you know we have Mount Judy over here, and this is not Mount Judy in eastern Turkey because that's Mount Ararat. Mount Judy's over here, or Mount Cudi's over here, uh, and so this is the mountain, and because you know uh, they uh, they believe that the mountain. Here is is referenced with this name. They believe that's the mountain. The problem is is that they're not in the you know the location is not correct. Why is because uh, say that's this this this, this uh, Mount Cudi, northern Iran, um, and um, I've had a conversation with with uh, Dr. David Roll about this. He you know you may your your listeners may be aware of Dr. David Roll who was in the uh, Patterns of Evidences film. Um, uh, with Tim Mahoney and, um, and I've researched, uh, I've read Dr. Uh, Roll's books. I, I think he's spot on with, uh, the Egyptian, uh, Exodus and the Egyptian history revision. Um, I, I think he's, he's correct. And he, amazingly, he's the, he's an agnostic, you know, at best, but he's the only one really that comes out and says all the stuff in Genesis about the Exodus is true. And here's why. It, it's a great film. You need to watch it. Um, that doesn't mean he's a he's a he's a Christian. He, by his uh, own admission, that he he's not. But but yet, through the archaeological evidence alone, he says this is all true. This happened. Uh, now we would disagree about the location of Ararat because we've discussed it. He thinks the site in in, in northern Iran or Mount Cudi is it, but Mount Judy and Mount Cudi and Ararat are all the same mountain. But the one to have a problem with in northern Iran, and even frankly with the other sites, is because uh, this mountain is only at, I think less than seven thousand feet, maybe right at seven thousand feet. But this is an area that um, traditionally uh, the locals who lived in that area walked up on top of this mountain, and as a ceremony to the remembrance of Noah's Ark, because it was in the region. No doubt they grew up with this tradition or the, the the stories of Noah and the ark and the flood went up on this particular part of the highest mountain they were near, which is all rock. And they, you know, made a, a you know, a boat shape, you know, kind of figure on the top with all that rock. And every year they would go up there and have a ceremony 
in uh, in remembrance of the flood and the ark and 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 the and, and the humanity surviving the flood. That doesn't mean it's Noah's ark. They've done that for a long time, for millennia. They've done this. It's well documented. But look, there's no one that's gone up there at seven thousand feet and said there's a boat up here. It's a rock formation because they built the rocks. They just stacked them up and and as a as a memorial to 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 the thing. That's why it's not Noah's ark. Uh, and, 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 and others who have made the claim that it is, is because Mount, well, it's at Mount Cootie that some of the texts say Mount Cootie, Mount Cootie's over here. If you go back and watch that presentation, Mount Cootie and Mount Judy and Mount Ararat are all that they're talking about the same mountain, but that mountain is not in Northern Iran or frankly anywhere else other than right there now called greater Ararat It's the mountain. And even the local Bedouins know about this. I talked with this extensively with Dr. John Morris of ICR before he died. I've talked with Dr. Don Shockey, who we he just celebrated his 88th birthday the other day. Um, but uh, you know, obviously he he's not able to to do this kind of work anymore. Uh, and with other researchers, uh, but uh, but more in particularly Dr. Uh, John Morris. Um, who was at the Archathon conference? Actually, Dr. Shockey was too, and and they both spoke and presented at the at the conference. Um, but I asked Dr. Morris about this, and he said, "You know," he said, um, uh, "Aaron," he said, "You're you're right." He said, "When I was over there in the '80s, searching for the Ark, he said the the Bedouins took me into a place, and they they took out this old book." And they showed me, um, he said, they showed me something uh, about the, the, the peaks of Ararat because the, the peaks of Ararat, you have false peaks. And one of the peaks of Ararat is Mount Kuti, but it's not the summit of Ararat. It is one of the peaks because Ararat has, you know, like many great mountains, they have false summits. And so the Bedouins are the, uh, the, the culture has has created um, has has created different names for the for these for the different peaks and so the different peaks one of the names for the peaks of on Mount Ararat is Mount Cootie. It is not a whole separate mountain in another region. And so historically, if you line up the ancient sightings and the modern day searches and sightings that I document in in the journal. Uh, the quest for Noah's Ark, an expedition journal. It's available on my website. I document all this. I document all the old ancient history. You talked about Brosus and 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 Jerome and Josephus and all these guys. All the all the modern day sightings like Ed Green and and um, uh, Ed Davis in 1943 and George Hagopian in 1903, who said he was taken up by his uncle to see the Ark. Even our um, Apollo astronaut. Um, that that basically spent the rest of his life looking for Noah's Ark. Um, the our Apollo 15 astronaut um, basically spent the last you know decade or or 15 years of his life looking for the Ark. Why? Because he said he flew over it. He flew over some superstructure when uh, he was in the military, and when he retired from NASA and all that, he spent the remaining years of his life nearly dying. On on um, after a, a big fall that he had, uh, laying exposed overnight uh, there on the rocks of Ararat, that uh, he was convinced that there was something there, 
And uh, that's that was our Apollo astronaut, uh, Jim Irwin. And so, you know, it's the credibility of, of these of uh, people like Colonel Jim Irwin, uh, who said uh, there's there's something here. And uh, people like George Hagopian and others who have documented all this in the in the expedition journal, the Quest for Noah's Ark, uh, and then all all the things that we did there in 2013. Uh, but there's something to it because. These, 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 these sightings are separated by time and distance. They're separated by time and generation. So George Hagopian is 1903, yet Ed Davis is 1943. But yet they're, they're all, the, the common thread is that they're seeing something on greater Ararat. And because of that, and because of all the scientific you know, data that was pointing uh, to Ararat for us back in 2013, um, we concentrated on the Eastern Plateau and that was all documented in the film Finding Noah that came out in theaters in 2015. But yet there's still more work to be done uh, in, in areas on greater Ararat. And so for people who, who don't really understand, it's, it's not like going up in the Rocky Mountains and just looking around and, and okay, well, that's not how it is. The greater Ararat is, is, a, is a, they call it Agri Da for a reason because it is a painful mountain. It, it, you've got to get up, you know, it's a permanent glacier on top, then you've got to switch out your gear to ice gear. You can't just simply look around on the surface up there, although at times past, there has been areas of meltback, such as 1943 and, and other times, that we've gone back and looked through history at these accounts, and there was a meltback in these years. Uh, so there's something that people are seeing, some kind of superstructure on Ararat. Um, but I think uh, there's more work that needs to be done. There's, there's a, a very interesting anomaly that, that was discovered uh, uh, several years ago that, that I think is, is very, very well uh, worth investigating. But getting to this area is, is almost impossible on the northwest side of the mountain. Uh, so, but I, I think there's lots of good reasons why we still need to look on Mount Ararat and why, frankly, it's not been found anywhere else. Now, there's a lot of people who say it's been found at the Drupnar site. Um, and, uh, you know, my friend um, uh, that that's currently, you know, doing that work over there, we've talked about this in the past, and, and I've been to that site. Uh, but frankly, I was there in 2013 before I climbed Ararat. Um, so... Uh, it's been confirmed by independent geologists and archaeologists, such as Dr. John Morris and, and others, frankly, who've been to the site since the 1980s and said, look, this isn't it. But, you know, um, I could be wrong. My, you know, we could all be wrong on it. And, and maybe, maybe some, some really solid empirical evidence will, 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 you know, will bear out that can be independently confirmed and verified by others. That, okay, this is it. Well, if that's the case and, I'll stand corrected and, and, and I'll celebrate with, with everybody else. I mean, I, I don't really care where it's found, but personally, uh, just from the research that I've done, I think it's still on greater error at somewhere. So we still have more work to do in this area, but it's definitely, um, I think a, a, a possibility that, that the arc is, is still in existence, maybe fractured in multiple pieces, uh, perhaps four pieces on air at, just because of the accounts of Ed Davis in 1943 he said he saw it in two pieces at least. Uh, but there's something going on there still. And I think that the greater evidence, the preponderance of evidence, if you will, I think still leans to greater error. And if we hold to the, uh, 
you know, the theory of the cataclysm bringing on an ice age, that that would make sense because if the boat rested in the mountains of Ararat, then all of a sudden you had a rapid cooling and an ice age brought on, it would be kind of like a, like a frozen time capsule just preserved for, you know, all time. I mean, that, that that's a pretty uh, amazing thought. Well, I think, um, you know, the ice age occurred about 500 years after the flood, so it wasn't an immediate thing that happened. It was yeah. gradual. Um, but, yeah, it you're right. It did, um, uh, you know, there's a magnetic, you know, a polar field re- reversal of the earth. The, 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 what was tropical became suddenly frozen. That's why you have buried forest under Antarctica. That's why you have buried forest uh, that are petrified at Specimen Ridge and Yellowstone. Uh, that's why you have, frankly, the petrified forest in Arizona. Um, you have these woolly mammoths that are flash frozen in time. Uh, I talk about this, and it's all documented in in the book Guardians of Gobekli. But but you you have a sudden reversal of this magnetic field. Um, but you know the ice age, the temperatures drop thirty degrees, and you have this ice you have the ice age, and 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 so yeah, uh, that that basically dumps a lot of snow. Uh, in the northern latitudes, uh, that the climate becomes colder, it's drier, it's harsher. Uh, civilization is, is having to reset. They're having to live through this almost thousand-year period of ice age. There's a record of a Pleistocene uh, extinction event that's worldwide. Uh, you know, there's volcanic activity. There's ash being thrown in the air. And Dr. Walt Brown, I think, is correct when he says that you know, because of all this and the ring of fire and the volcanoes, it's spewing out aerosols and sulfur and, and everything in the air. And it, that's why you get these sudden changes in, in the environment because of all this that's happening. It's a recipe for disaster, but it's a natural disaster. And, and this has happened time and time and time again in the Earth's past. Uh, Randall Carlson uh, says that there's been at least 16 known uh, catastrophes in the past. And if one of them were to hit us now, at the order of magnitude it hit then, it would create an, an extinction-level event now, which means we can't survive that. We can't survive one of those orders of magnitude hitting us again. We are done. So there, so there's no surviving it. It's an extinction-level event. So you know, if you multiply that by one magnitude or more, uh, then suddenly it becomes 10 times greater than the last one it is a worldwide destruction yeah, and, 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 and we don't survive that. So there are things that's happened in the past that we know of. I think there's still things yet that the Bible has predicted in prophecy uh, that are still going to happen again. We're going to know, we, we, we know that there's things that are coming um, that are yet future from this time of 2023. That's going to happen. I think things are going to get much worse uh, but look, um, that you know, going back to the climate change and all this, climate change is real. It it's happened. We have the record of it. But it's not because you're driving your SUV. It's just not. It, or, it, or the this, steaks you're eating because all the cows and all their methane they're releasing. It, 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 <laughs> you know, so when they take something like this and politicize it for political gain of purposes to control, it 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 it, it just doesn't set well with me because. It, it, it's another form of, uh, well, we're going to do this and take away your liberty so we can justify 
um, controlling what you, frankly, what everything that you do in your life. Um, this is, you know, now known as the global reset and, and, um, you know, this 2030, 2050 agenda that they're pushing is a very, very worrisome. Um, I, I, I just find it very, very troubling, uh, because it's not just America that this is, this is going to affect. It is a global, uh, economic, if you will, a new world order system that's coming into play and they're doing it. Uh, without our consent or without our permission, frankly, uh, without uh, without our involvement at all, it's it's uh, it's in spite of people like ourselves that are going to count the cost for that. Uh, so, I guess the point is, Justin, is everything that's happened in the past is true. It's verified. It's recorded. It's documented. We 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 know of it. Secular science knows about it. Uh, but yes, there. I think there is an effort, at least in some cases. Um, to uh, to cover this up because it's a deception that's coming, and part of that deception uh, is going to be um, is going to be uh, I think um, uh, forthcoming in uh, an event that perhaps ties into uh, the new world uh, system and the and the, uh, the new age it's, that they're trying to promote. It, again, it doesn't have you and I are in mind, but it's something that. Um, that I've documented in my other book, Alien Agenda, The Return of the Nephilim. Um, it just all, it all ties in. This all ties in. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I talk to people about Noah's Ark, they think it's so far removed that how could it possibly be there? But my question is, what if it's there? What is that going to mean to you? Because it's not going to change what I believe. I don't, I don't, frankly, I don't care if it's found or not. It's not, I'm not dying. I'm not, you know, dying on the, on the hill for this thing. I just, it doesn't matter to me. Yes. Part of, uh, what I like to do is go out in the field and I, yeah, we won't know if we don't go, if I don't go, you know, um, and search these things out, you know, maybe no one will, but somebody along the way somewhere may, but I like to go do that. So, you know, let me go do it, but it's not necessary for, it's not going to change anything. I believe I don't need it as a matter of my faith. It just, you know, if we find it, yeah, would it strengthen my faith? And, you know, yeah. Do I need it? No. For others, it may change their mind. They may have to say, let me rethink this. Because actually, if it's verified archaeologically, everybody's going to know it. It's not going to be up for debate. There's not going to be anybody saying, well, it's over here. It's over here. Look, it's over here. Everyone's going to know. It's not going to be a question of where it's at. Or who? It's just not. It's it's going to be found, and it's going to be a testament. Um, frankly, I think that will serve in the in the last days. That if that indeed exists, then what happened back in Genesis? There's something else going to happen. It's going to serve as another testament, frozen in time, if you will. That something else is about to happen. And if that's true, then we have to consider the consequences and and the implications of what that means. And so, and so for me, uh, when I, when that revelation hit me, when I, when I was about to go look for the ark in 2013, I thought, man, if we find this thing, it's going to change everything. It's going to change history. It's going to change everything that we know that we've ever been taught and it should change our minds. But look, some people already have their mind made up and it doesn't matter if you take them up to it and stand on top of the thing, they're not going to change their mind. Why? Because evidence is not going to change their mind. They've already got their mind made up. Okay, that's fine. 
But what about those that are in the fence? What about those that say, maybe I need to reconsider what this is telling me? You don't have to have the art for that. There's enough evidence without the art for the global flood of Noah, for the, for the great deluge to know that something happened in our past. It was recorded in the book of Genesis. And maybe if you read that thing, maybe you need to, to keep reading and, and, and get to the end part where we're in now and realize that things that are happening back then are doomed to repeat. And we know history is doomed to repeat itself, but things that are happening now has been predicted and prophesied for the future. We know what's coming. And we know there's a way out. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to go through a judgment uh, like those guys did. There was plenty of room for people to get on that art, and they did not because they chose not to. And so there was so much room in the art there that I've, I've if you, uh, frankly, there's there's a good book um, that if, you, if you're interested in things like this, and we talked about Walt Brown's book earlier, but it's uh. John would um, would more be Noah's Ark of Feasibility Study, and he talks about all this. I mean, he breaks it down to the to the nth level. If you're interested in doing a real research study on the art, well, people say, well, how do you get all the animals on the art? How you know wasn't big enough? Um, how does uh how does he you know how does this you know how does Noah build something that this big? It's all this 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 book is the book you need to get. It, it's it's a wonderful, well-researched book, but uh, frankly, it, it gives all the answers about about this thing. So, if it's if it's still around, um, I think it's going to serve as another testament, frozen in time, that people, frankly, need to wake up and look at what the Bible has to say about what's going to happen in the world, and and how we can, you know, how can we we can avoid this coming judgment. Frankly, with you know, through the through the grace that that God has given us through His Son Jesus Christ, who died and, and was buried and rose again for us, and, and the resurrection, frankly, paid for our sin that we could have eternal life through His Son. So, without that, we have no hope. And, and so, what's our purpose here? You know, where did we come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? These are the four great questions of life. But if you don't know how to answer those questions, Maybe you should sit down and kind of think about those things because it could serve a, a you know, a, a, you know, a course in your life that, that, you know, could frankly change the course of your life. Uh, most people, unfortunately, don't know how to answer these questions, but the Bible has given us answers to all these questions. We're here for a reason. We're designed. We have a purpose in life. We didn't come from, from, from nothing with no hope or no purpose or no design. And when we die, we can just do whatever we want. And then when we die, we just go back to the worms. That's not it. That's what evolution teaches us. No hope, no reason, no cause, no purpose, no nothing. So what's the, what's the point? The point is, is that if it looks like it's designed, it was. Because there's an intelligence that is transcendent beyond our understanding of the four dimensions we live in. We live in... You know, four dimensions, time being the fourth dimension. People don't recognize that. But there's multiple dimensions beyond this that now quantum mechanics and science has now looked at through quantum uh, algebraics and quantum mechanics and string theory that there's at least 10 dimensions that they can theorize of. Four noble, and that's the ones we just discussed. But it's so, so much more, so much more, Justin, than, than just 
what we can see with our eyes. There's so much more in the quantum world. There's so much more evidence that we've, we've ever realized. We don't need the art uh, for that. There's plenty of evidence for you to dig into right now that can justify everything that's written uh, in, the, in, in the Old Testament, but especially in the book of Genesis. This has all happened, and, and the, there's a reason why it happened, and the Bible clearly lays it out why it's happened, and, um, and, and what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for our future? Those are, those are questions that the, Bi- the Bible, frankly, has all the answers for. Man, Aaron, that was a uh, spirit failed right there. I, you had me uh, on the edge of my seat and goosebumps, man. That was, that was well put. And I, I loved how I watched, uh, it was an interview you done at the, uh, the, the opening or the grand opening or whatever you call that of your film finding noah and the gentleman you were talking to you said you know it's it's a documentary not so much you know about going to find noah's ark that it was a documentary of the journey you know said it's not just about finding the ark it's about the journey and i I look at at life that way you know one of the things that i said with this show was you know answers are not important questions are important but the journey is what's truly important because you know truth is the journey and and we all well well said and we all have our own journey um you know I'll, i'll 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 say i'll say it this way don't do don't believe it because i have said anything to you to i'm not trying to convince you of of my you know of my perspective I, and I admit I have a preconceived notion. Uh, both views of both views of, of 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 life origins is based on faith. That's just it. You either have a faith that it came from nothing out of nothing, you know, um, uh, you know, suddenly something occurred, matter existed, and it exploded into order. That's not how nature works. Nature doesn't explode into order. Nature is disorder. Nature is uh, there's entropy, the, the laws of entropy. There's nothing that you can go out into your backyard and blow up and it's going to become order. That's just not the way nature works. It's not the laws of the universe. Uh, so it does require an element of faith, but our faith is backed up through science. And that's the part I'm, I want to drive home is that this is all very well documented in the sciences. You just have to look there. And sometimes, as we said early, way earlier on in the beginning of the show, Truth gets marginalized, and sometimes you have to look on the margins for the truth because that's where you're going to find it. It's going to, it's going to be marginalized, and you're going to have to look at alternative sources, and you're going to have to look at you know, things but, um, that you may have, frankly, have never considered before. But I would ask you not to believe my word on it, to, to do what Peter says in the Bible, and that is to not believe my report but to go look it up for yourself and to study it for yourself to see if these things be true and let your own mind be convinced of these things because the evidence is there. It's there for anyone to look at, but you just have to be willing to look at it and read it and study. And yes, it takes study. I just didn't wake up one day and, and, and learn all this. It, it takes decades of studying that, you know, you know, it's, you know, second Timothy says study to show yourself approved a workman that needs not to be a, ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and so 
there's an element of responsibility that we have, um, and that is to uh, to study. And part of that study is, yeah, you 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 know you should, you know, uh, you know, come together in the faith with with like-minded believers in your church in the local assembly, um, sharing knowledge with, you know, uh, shows such as this and on your podcast and and other shows like Derek Gilbert and others who who can you know, take that and, and, and let the iron sharpen the iron, right? It, it sharpens us, but we've got to go, we, we need to be willing to go deeper uh, and look at these things because frankly, you're not going to learn it in church. Frankly, you're not, you're not going to learn this in Sunday school. I'm, I didn't learn it in church. I didn't learn it by my pastor teaching me about where dinosaurs came from in church. They just don't, they don't know that because we are in a, it's sad to say, but we are in a cultural Christianity that's just so watered down. Um, people are looking for truth. They're looking for something of substance. They're looking for something greater beyond this cultural Christianity. And it's not a condemnation of your local church. But what I am saying is don't rely on your pastor to spoon feed you all of it. Go do something for yourself and crack a book and read something that someone has to say about perhaps um, you know, on, on a scientific term, like Walt Brown, what does he have to say about what is the hydroplate theory? Well, read it. You know, what does Joe Taylor had to, you know, before we lost Joe Taylor, what does he have to say about woolly mammoths and the ice age and the Pleistocene extinction, how that ties into the flood? Read that, read that work that he left behind for all of us to see, you know, what is, what is the soft tissue and research about uh, uh, the dinosaur bones, you know, follow Mark Arbich's work. It's publicized. You can print out the documents now and read them. Look it up. Read it for yourself. It's not, it's, it's, it's there. It's there for us to look at and read. So it, the evidence is all in front of us. It screams design. There's a designer that's, that's, that's behind it all. It's the, it's the watchmaker, you know, it's just, it, uh, and that watchmaker is the creator God of the Bible. It transcends our intelligence. It's so much greater than what we can understand. Uh, but it, there is, there is a hope and a purpose in, in, in all of this. And that's what I want really to drive home is that at the end of the day, uh, we can talk about the flood and the geology and fossils and, and Noah's Ark. And these are all things we need to know about because we need to have a ready answer. Paul says, when you have a ready answer, be salt and light in the world. And so if you don't know something about fossils or the dinosaurs or whatever, you need to learn these things so you can have a ready answer. You can be, you know, you can have this, um, you know, this reasoning and conviction and, you know, conviction in your own mind and heart that indeed these things are true, but don't take my word for it. Go research it for yourself. It's plenty out there to, to, to find. It's just, it's just at your fingertips. All you have to do is just be willing, just be willing to do it. And that's what I love about your show, Justin. And, and what you're doing is getting this information forth and, and letting people, you know, um, you know, uh, listen to all the evidence and let them, you know, make a decision on where they think Noah's Ark is at. And in this case, you know, um, you know, where the, where the location of Mount Ararat is. And, and, and it's great because in the end we does, you know, it doesn't affect my relationship with anyone else. Uh, it, it um, uh, frankly, it doesn't really affect my faith at all. Uh, but uh, it's, it's simply a, 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 you know, something that I, I have an interest in, but, 
but uh, and it may I affect someone else, you know. It, it, and it and it very well uh, could, but frankly, I I don't um, I don't sacrifice relationships over this stuff because it, it's just you know it's it's trivial to me at the end of the day about you know where where is it at? Well, you think it's over here, I think it's over here. Okay, that's fine. We'll agree to disagree and simply move on. But uh, I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so I'm not going to do that with anyone else. Uh, if if people think it's somewhere else, then you know what? Go. Go, go find it. Yeah, go dig, do, do, go study. Yeah, go, go find it and 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 let everybody else know. And and if it comes out to be the thing, you know, I'll be side by side with you, rejoicing that we found it. You know, but it's it's definitely going to be, um, you know, it's not going to just be one person. And that, and that's the thing. You know, it's 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 going to be a gift to the world. And that that's certainly going to be, I think, one of the last, um. That may be, I don't know, Justin. That may be the thing that usher ends this whole thing, man. It, may, it, what, I think it's not a matter of if it's found, but a matter of when it's found, and when it's found. It's like I an ace up the sleeve, you know what I mean? It's like God's holding out, you know, and last, you know, it's like the the last receipt. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think when it's found, it's gonna, man, it's gonna be staggering. The implications are gonna be simply staggering. Well, Aaron, I'm getting uh, close to taking up your time, man. I really appreciate it, and this has uh, been really great, and uh, just a spirit-led and great information. And uh, I just want you to know I, I appreciate it. I love what you're doing, and I appreciate you taking the time to do these things, man. Uh, it's my pleasure, Justin, to come on. Thank you for for having me on your show as a as a guest, and. Um, now, as you can probably tell, I'm really passionate about this, but, you know, find, here's my challenge to your listeners, find your passion and, uh, and do that. Uh, and if you, and if it's simply something that you have an interest in, but can't do support others who can and that, and that are doing something, uh, whether you believe, you know, this person or that person, you know, um, you know, get active, be you participate in what people are doing, participate in activities, come join us on the digs. Uh, if you can't go or you can't travel, you know, help us, uh, buy a book. Uh, you know, there's always something that someone can do to help somebody else. But I, I help other ministries. I help other people. I help other causes that are greater than myself. That's beyond frankly what I do. Why? Because I believe in that. And so, you know, jump on, you know, and, 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 and be an active participant. Don't sit on the sidelines and just let everything else go by and then just watch others do it. Support, you know, support them some way, somehow. Um, and there's all kinds of ways, but I do that. I've done that with my time. I've done it, um, you know, with, with, uh, with other ministries and the, and the Creation Evidence Museum here uh, in Glen Rose, Texas. And, you know, uh, and I've I've been a part of of um, you know helping that ministry grow. So my challenge is, you know, find something that you're passionate about. Let the Lord show you and direct you in those things. And if you're on the fence about something, just research it. Look it up. There's plenty of references and resources that we can point you to. Uh, I have a library full of references um, that that I. You know, that's documented, in the, frankly, in the book of Beckley Tepe. There's over 200 references in that book alone that you can look at. 
but um, there's others and uh, there's others I can put you in contact with for reference material, but it's all out there. And there's other, there's frankly other people who's done so much greater work than I have uh, like Walt Brown and Derek Gilbert and uh, Mike, you know, Michael Heiser, you know, has had a great ministry and he's got a lot of, a lot of work that he's done in these areas. Dr. Judd Burton, um, um, you know, Dr. Carl Ball, uh, others who have done so much more, uh, for, uh, for creation. Uh, there's, there's so much evidence out there for it. But I would, I would just ask that, um, find something that you're passionate and then just jump in and go do it. Amen. Well, uh, Aaron, before we let you go, uh, give everybody, uh, some information, uh, websites, books, contact information, anything that you want to let the listeners know to be on the lookout for. I know, uh, you and Dr. Judd are about to pick up a, a legacy of Dr. Michael Heiser's. Yeah. Yeah. We're Dr. Judd, Judd Burton and I, uh, are going to continue, uh, uh, the, the, the show French pop three, two, one that Dr. Michael Heiser had. Um, and so we're going to start filming in the, in the fall, uh, for that show. And that's going to, we're going to, you know, continue, continue on that work, uh, carry the torch, if you will, uh, for that. Uh, so we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be f- filming that, uh, this fall and we'll have guests on and, you know, hopefully, you know, that'll be something that people will, you know, come back and enjoy and, and watch and support. And cause we're going to, frankly, we're going to, we're going to need that support. You know, we're going to need viewership. We're going to need people to, you know, to, um, you know, to, you know, to take a, you know, partner with us in that, but, um, everything centrally, you just go to AaronJudkins.com, AaronJudkins.com. My books are linked up there. The new book guardians of Gobekli. We talked about earlier, the quest for Noah's Ark and expedition journal. All my expedition journals are linked up there. Um, uh, some other books that I have, all the videos from Rumble, my Rumble channel is linked up there, but you can simply type in my name, Dr. Aaron Judkins on Rumble. My channel will pull up. I got a lot of great content there, hours and hours and hours of content that you can just enjoy for free. Um, and um, you can contact contact me through the website. Uh, and uh, so uh, lots of lots of things there just uh, at the website and um, everything's kind of branched, you know, linked up there and you can branch out from there. But, um, you know, I, I appreciate the time and the opportunity to be on the show again. And, um, you know, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it guys. Dr. Aaron Judkins, man, just what a wealth of knowledge. And you can hear the passion in his voice when he talks about these things. Appreciate you coming along for the ride. Uh, just like you said, man, find what you're passionate about, go after it, you know, call to action with you guys. If you enjoyed my content, you know, consider subscribing, help contribute to the work, keep the show going. A lot of people don't realize, man, this, this stuff can get expensive. You know, you have subscriptions for your audio software, you got subscriptions for your, uh, RSS feeds and just... There's so much stuff that goes in this a lot of people don't realize. So anything you can do to contribute to help to the show and uh, keep me doing this stuff that I love to do. If you're enjoying it, I'd really appreciate it. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and all our socials. And uh, if you enjoyed this at all, share it with a friend. And uh, give us a, a rating on uh, Spotify or Apple iTunes, whatever uh, app you use to listen to. 
And until next time, torches high. Thank you.